Welcome to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks, shortcuts, designed to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time. I'm your host, David Ubita. Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs starts right now. Yep, yep, absolutely. I was, I was Tony's head trainer for a little over 10 years. I led events for him. Uh, gosh, I want to be accurate with this. For about 15, a little over 15 years, actually. I actually was one of his lead speakers. Um, for many, many years, I was one of the, the core team that was called the TNT team, meaning Tony's not there. So they would send us out on stage in his, uh, in his absence to lead events like the Wealth Mastery Program, uh, his platinum events. I did a lot of the uh, RPM, time and life management training. And I was really kind of the business guy, my, one of my best friends in the world who's still uh, Tony's number two at the Unleash the Power Within weekend. One of those just happened this past weekend, in fact. Uh, his name is Joseph McClendon. Joseph was really the personal development guy, and I was more uh, the business development guy. So I did a lot of the corporate trainings and the wealth and, and, and business mastery stuff and, and all of that, even though I'm pretty well versed you know, in the uh, personal development side as well, obviously. Hey guys, welcome back to the show, the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is David Ubita. I am your host. In episode 31, we catch up with Joe Williams, uh, Tony Robbins' number one trainer for over 15 years. In this interview, Joe is going to give us insight on what it's like to work with Tony for so many years. And then we dive into some of his game-changing strategies for neutralizing the lack mindset. Uh, improving your focus and how to immediately improve your effectiveness as a speaker. This was a really fun interview. Joe's a really great guy, great energy. You're going to love this interview, so stay tuned. Hey guys, if you're a B2B company that can handle 10 to 15 more quality appointments every single month, then go to davidubita.com today. Me and my team specialize in helping B2B companies generate quality appointments and increase sales with LinkedIn and email. The best part is we have a 30-day money-back guarantee if we can't help you. So if you're a B2B company and you can take on more quality appointments so that you can grow your business, then visit davidubeda.com today. That's D-A-V-I-D-U-B-E-D-A.com. And we are back on the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast with your host and lead life hacker, David Ubeda. On the call, we have the one and only, the legendary, dare I say it, I think I just did, Joe Williams. Joe, say hi to the audience. Hey, man. How are you? Wow. I'm, I'm, I'll be sending over my uh, my credit card details right after this for that incredible introduction. <laughs> hey, well, let's get it right. That's D-A-V-I-D. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and it's 4427. You know, you know it's a visa that way. Right, right, right. So, yeah, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for today. Well, I am the one who's excited and honored in all of those adjectives that would describe someone who's just really humbled by the opportunity. Um, I think that once our audience gets a glimpse on as to what you've been, and you're so gracious and like so humble about it, which is like even more endearing, like holy cow. Uh, But the fact that you've accomplished so much, the circles that you've traveled in, the results that you've been able to bring, the impact that you've been able to and serve the world and it's just uh, I honestly I'm just you know lost for words and at the same time I can't wait to pick your brain so it's absolutely like, I know we only have a short amount of time but I'm gonna make it uh, it's my mission 
during this episode for me to really, really ask some great questions to pull some stuff out of you. Are you ready? I am absolutely ready, a thousand percent. And all the feelings are mutual, and uh, let's rock and roll, brother. Yeah, Matt. So, Joe, do us do us a favor and just – and I know that you, you don't like talking about stuff, uh, but just share with our audience a little bit about what you've been able to accomplish. Uh, and I'll start off by saying, guys, Joe – it was for what ten or fifteen years, I believe it was. Um, was yep. Tony Robbins like the Tony Robbins? You know, the six foot seven. I think he's six foot seven, something like that, right? He is. Yeah, he is. And he uh, he was considered what Tony's lead like trainer and you know speaker. Uh, and the rest, please yep. share with us. Yep, yep, absolutely. I was I was Tony's head trainer for a little over ten years. I led events for him. Uh, gosh, I want to be accurate with this for about fifteen, little over fifteen years actually. I actually was one of his lead speakers um, for many, many years. I was one of the the core team that was called the TNT team, meaning Tony's not there, so they would send us out on stage in his uh, in his absence to lead events like the Wealth Mastery Program. Uh, his platinum events. I did a lot of the uh, RPM time and life management training, and I was really kind of the business guy. My one of my best friends in the world, who's still uh, Tony's number two at the Unleash the Power Within weekend. One of those just happened this past weekend. In fact, uh, his name is Joseph McClendon. Joseph was really the personal development guy, and I was more uh, the business development guy. So I did a lot of the corporate trainings and the wealth and, and, and business mastery stuff and, and all of that, even though I'm pretty well versed, you know, in the uh, personal development side as well, obviously. So wow. I'm guessing you probably want background on how the heck I actually got there, huh? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, man, that would be, be really useful. Yeah. So here, here's what I'm going to say. The short answer is, uh, to be completely honest, right time, right place, to a certain extent, played a big role um, in the things I was I was blessed enough to have as opportunities uh, with Tony, as well as in my own personal speaking and uh, consulting business, uh, and just in business in general. Um, uh, you know, I always kind of start out because people always say, "Well, you know, Joe, how can I do what you did?" or you know, how can I, how can I, uh, you know, what, what did it take to be one of Tony's top guys? Well, you know, I got to be honest, right time, right, right place, um, circumstance being thrust into situations that, yeah, admittedly, I guess I did seize, I did jump into, I did throw myself into, that's what created, you know, such a long-term relationship that we had. Um, but certainly a certain amount of it was, um, you know, we just got thrust into some extraordinary circumstances. I met him at a very young age. I met him when I was 21 uh, years old. And um, it was through a weird twist of events in that I was volunteering at a seminar. And I got put with him kind of as his his, his personal uh uh, not really bodyguard because I only weighed about 160 pounds at the time, but uh, kind of his personal sh- uh, uh, shuffler, if you will. And his wife at the time said, hey, will you make sure he gets from place to place and he eats his meals and people don't bother him too much and stuff like that. So that's how he and I met. And we became friends. And, and over the course of five or six years, uh, as I was a volunteer, originally trainer and master trainer at his events, 
then he asked me to start speaking at uh, some early events in the late 1990s, just as I had also transitioned in my career over to speaking and consulting being my primary business. My actual background is in starting businesses. I've started over a dozen companies uh, since I was 16 years old. When I started my first, I took one public in 1996 when I was 26 years old. And uh, in 1998, I transitioned over into speaking and uh, consulting full-time, and and a portion of that was with Tony. And so that's kind of the the short version of uh, how we we ended up to where we are today, I guess. Wow. So walk us through a little bit about what that's like to, first and foremost, um, we'll talk about your experience working with Tony and the group, and then I want to dial in to like your own experience as you've built your businesses and just pick your brain as a speaker, that kind of thing. Um, working with with someone like Tony and his team, what's one thing that you've seen over the years to be like the game changer or the one constant that's needed to – it's one thing to achieve success and then there's another to sustain it. Yeah. Here's what, what I would say. say. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due whenever I, I can here. And I originally got this notion from Tony, uh, directly and something that has, has, you know, from a early, relatively early age, um, you know, really, really kind of shaped my life. And it's a constant, not only in the work that I did with him and, and everything that we did there, but, but every aspect of, of my life. Um, and here's what it is. Our ultimate resource is resourcefulness. Um, you know, people, you know, I know your listeners, a lot of them are, are like I have a background of being you know, self-employed business owners or small business owners, medium-sized business owners. Sometimes we, we forget. We think that what we need is we need more capital. We need more money. We need more time. We need better people. We need this. We need that. And, and while the fact is, yes, you do need those things, we forget the underlying current that brings us the right people that brings us the amount of time that we need, you know, given our deadlines and, and our rushed, urgent life and everything else, that the thing that, that, that can open up the floodgates of capital for us, underlying all of that is resourcefulness, creativity, to determination, uh, inventiveness, all the different things that go into saying, I will find a way to pull this off. That level of determinated, uh, uh, determination, I should say, and resourcefulness is really the the one thing that I guess I could I could offer in, in response to your question, which that's the number one underlying current in everything um, that I've been blessed enough to accomplish in my life, and that I did in my time around Tony. Whether it was, you know, the time that he looked at me and said, "Hey, Joe, somebody's got to take over this wealth mastery event." And it's going to be you. And I sat there looking at him saying, wait a minute, I don't have a background. I'm not a stockbroker. I can't do this. And he goes, yeah, well, you took a company public, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, well, you know the legalities. You know what not to say to keep Hmm. from getting locked up. So now that you know what not to say, and I know that you keep our our name and, and the brand safe, we can figure everything else out. We can teach you what you need to know to learn to, to, to lead this event. And, and so that level of resourcefulness of, all right, let's dig in, you know, let's, let's, let's figure it out and, and let's go from there was, was really underlying everything that we've ever done. I think it's a vital thing in any of us for our businesses to remember that that creativity, that inventiveness, that, that raw determination and emotion of finding a way when there seems like there's not going to be one available, um, that's a level of game that if you play at, you create some pretty extraordinary results in life. 
Yeah, that's a powerful reminder, and um, it's so funny because it really is in alignment, confirming what I have been working on lately, uh, more so than ever as we're looking to scale our business, right? And that's instead of focusing on what's not there, really just be grateful for what is here and allow the feeling and the the energy of that gratitude uh, kind of just allow ourselves to be immersed in that more so than the anxiety <laughs> of thinking, yeah. oh my gosh, this this is not in place or this is this resource isn't here or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate what you've just said because that encourages me. I'm sure it'll encourage our audience because sometimes we do get stuck. I get stuck. Yeah. On the whole concept of well, this isn't here or you know, this amount isn't there, but then I look around me and I'm, and I see all of this wealth around me, yeah. all of this, you know, like evidence that money has been here or currency has, you know, is, is available really at our, at our, you know, at our wanting literally. So yeah. I really appreciate what yeah. you just said. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, another way to look at it, if you think about it, David, is like, you know, it's 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 about an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. I mean, when you or I or any of us get into lack, into what's not available, into that that scarcity mindset, any decision we make in that place is going to be the wrong decision. That's one of my organizing principles. Any decision made from a place of scarcity is automatically going to be the wrong decision. So the question is, how do I kind of jumpstart and, and if you will, put the, you know, the, the uh, what are those things called when someone's had a heart attack and they bring them back, defibrillator on myself mentally. <laughs> how do I put a mental defibrillator on to shock myself out of that scarcity, that lack, and that's what's not here or what's not available into a place of resourcefulness, abundance, uh, prosperity of unlimited possibility, because only then am I going to see what's actually out there and available. And here's the thing that's kind of freaky about it. Both are true if you think about it. You know, you have every right to look at what's not here, what's scarce, and what's lacking, and, and that's true. But what is also true at the same time is that there is unlimited abundance, there's unlimited prosperity, there's unlimited opportunity, and unlimited possibilities. And so the question becomes, how do you kind of pull yourself out of one that doesn't serve and get over into the one that can actually lead to the future that you want it to lead to? So how do we do that? Since we're talking about this, which is yep. totally unplanned and organic, and I think yeah. it would serve our listeners and me. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm all about learning, right? So the temptation is when we wake up in the morning – um, to really dial into two conversations, right? We can dial into scarcity or we can dial into abundance. And yep. how does one um, – yeah, I know it's intentional for both, although sometimes we might think that it's not intentional. But right. Because something that comes out of the mouth of, of some of the clients I've worked with over the years is, well, I'm a realist. <laughs> that's, yep. their, like the, that's their default. And yep. so how does one address – that whole temptation to be quote unquote a realist when there is a the, the grander choice, the bigger choice is, hey, am I going to plug into the scarcity mindset, or am I yeah. going to plug into the mind uh, the abundance mindset? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that that they're both realistic, um, depending on where you stand, and depending on on, on where you're you're committed to looking at things from. Again, it's not a conversation weighed on the scales of right and wrong, because both are right, both are true. The question is more, 
to your point, how do I, you know, get up in the morning and, 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 and default jumpstart myself over to the point of view of resourcefulness versus lack? And I mean, a simple way to do it that I've always done is keep a, one of the things I always keep with me is I keep a little, um, uh, like a old school paper and ink Moleskina journal, uh, one of those little small hardbound journals that I dedicate half of the book to keeping like, for instance, a list of opportunities, prospects, potential clients, potential business opportunities. And what I do is I, I bring those, I, I use it as what I call a brain dump mechanism. In other words, I get that stuff out of my head, out of the ethers, onto paper where I can keep track of it and I can go back and remind myself of the unlimited opportunities that are out there when I get into a scarcity mindset. Uh, one of the biggest things that you know you can do is just keep it on the forefront so you can actually look at it and see, oh my gosh, here I am thinking I only could do this or that. And yet if I look at this you know, list of all of these possibilities that I've got in front of me, I realize, wow, there's all these other things that I could do. And what I believe it really does is um, it's a quick little method that I've used throughout the years to continually you know, bring yourself back and remind yourself um, of that possibility and of that uh, unlimited abundance um, just in a, in, by taking the invisible and making it visible. Here's one of the things, you know, I know we all know the studies that say when we have a goal, if you write it down, you increase your chances of achieving it by, you know, whatever it is, 300%, 500%, 100%, whatever it is. Well, here's the simple way that I look at it. If you think about the process of taking the invisible and making it visible, the process of physical manifestation of a goal that all begins with taking it from a, a thought energy into the real world by writing it down, simply by writing down that thing that you want to achieve in as much depth and with as much clarity as you can and specificity. Think about it. You're kind of taking the invisible and bringing it into the visible world. Now, you know, it's only the first step of manifestation at that point because it's just paper and ink, yet you have begun the process of creation, of manifestation, just by doing that. So I think that's one quick little thing that a lot of us forget is available to us, just keeping track and writing down all the possibilities, the potentials, the opportunities, the abundance, the, the, the gifts that we have can kind of bring us back over into that mindset. Yeah, I love it. And as, as you were sharing that, so powerful, by the way, as you were sharing that, I was reminded of an example that I've given, I don't know how many times, where I'll ask someone to hold an apple seed in one hand and then an apple in the other, and I ask them, what are you holding? And they'll say, well, a seed. And then what are you holding? Well, an apple. No, you're holding the same thing, just in different stages. Yep. So when you write it down, when you think about it, and then when you write it down, and then when you actually see the manifestation, they're just it's the same thing. It's the seed, just in different stages. But it takes time. It takes... Um, obviously, nourishment for a seed to grow, etc. Yeah, similar to a dream, similar to a goal that we want, um, that we envision, and then work towards, and then ultimately experience it. Yep, 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 yeah. And I think that you know one of the critical things in response directly to your your question was just just having those reminders around of the path of reality that I choose, meaning this abundance or scarcity mindset, as opposed to the path of reality of, 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 of just lack and scarcity and, 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 and failure. Remind, as many reminders as you can keep around that can continue to bring you back over uh, into that which frees you, that which uh, opens up, 
your thinking and opens up your creativity and, and your resourcefulness, I think that's, the, that's kind of the short answer to your question. Yeah, so I hear you saying that a practice to fuel our abundance mindset is to yep. reinforce uh, through, through uh, could be images, through writing them down, yeah. uh, the, the outcome that's not in our lives at the moment, but that we are uh, expecting to create, what is one, what is one uh, behavior or, or, or activity that feels the opposite, right? So that, that way we know if we're practicing it, we can stop that. Um, here's what I would say directly is ask a better question. Questions are one of the primary things that, you know, that shape human focus. Now, those of you that have ever heard Tony speak, this is Tony Robbins 101. Again, I'll give credit where credit is due to my friend Tone. Um, you know, that, questions shape our focus. And our focus, uh, directing our focus is one of the most powerful things, I believe, as we sit here, you know, 2019, 2020 and beyond, that we can really look to guarding more than anything else as a resource mechanism that we have, meaning our focus, your focus, uh, using good questions. Ask a better question, you will tend to get a better answer. So when you're stumped on where should I go and, 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 and what should be next, one idea you can look to is just start to create, you know, your own personal list of empowerment questions. Like, what am I not yet seeing? Or uh, uh, who do I know that I could ask that could help me out of this? You know, I firmly believe a lot of us run around asking, you know, how can I make this happen? How can I make that happen? And a lot of times what you need is not a how, what you need is a who. Hmm. You need to plug into somebody who makes that their limited, their, their area of, 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 of mastery in life and, you know, give that task to them to do on your behalf. It's a who question, not a how question. So having better questions that you ask yourself, I think is one of the most powerful things any of us can do. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, word is two, two things. Word is <laughs> that you've been able to impact and in your career uh, as a coach, um, a trainer, et cetera, have been able to help your clients sustain like an incredible amount of success. I mean, like billions of dollars worth of success. How, how does that happen, man? I mean, like, you, do you just go in and start like cracking the whip and, you know, wham, bam, bam, you know, <laughs> how does that work? Well, okay, so it relates back to part of, you know, something we talked about earlier. So um, when I met, you know, during my time in the 90s, not just when I met Tony, but during my, you know, my time in the, the telecom company that I was a partner in that we took public, as I said, uh, when I was 26, I started being, it started being demanded of me. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to this uh, in, their, in their business career. Presentations and public speaking became something that was demanded of me. It is not something that I naturally gravitated toward. In fact, I had one of the worst uh, uh, fears of public speaking and stage frights that you could ever imagine a person having. And, um, and so speaking did not come easily to me. Um, I just continued to put myself into situations where I had to give presentations, had to speak. And over the course of six, seven years, really, it took uh, of getting a little bit better and better. I did the normal routes. You know, I, I did Toastmasters. I did Dale Carnegie. There were certainly some improvements from those. Um, but what I really found was I had to find my own personal sweet spot, groove, 
as a public communicator. Yeah, polish off some rough edges, but find where I was at my absolute best. And it was a really difficult journey. So when people started asking me to help them, um, I kind of found that I was really kind of uniquely <laughs> uh, qualified and set up, in addition to what I'd done with you know, my, my, my speaking for Tony, in that I had had such a hard road that I think I found a methodology to be able to help people become powerful communicators uh, based upon that I just didn't want it, them to go through the same hellish experience that I had. So, yeah, I started training people originally in, in presentation and public speaking skills who wanted to be professional speakers. And then I took the same methodologies over into corporations um, with mostly large aerospace and tech companies um, and helped them create a little over $50 billion in new business during the 2000s. Um, people always say, you know, it sounds like an unrealistic number. It's so high. Yet I was working on $5 and $10 billion, you know, government proposal contracts. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to win very many of those to have $50 billion in, in new business for your clients like Boeing and Lockheed and Raytheon and at Microsoft and companies like that. So, so yeah, so that was, that was primarily what we did there. And, you know, I, one thing that it always comes, it all comes back to is I believe that, you know, where we sit right now, um, you know, early, mid 20th century, that there is a, you know, there's a calling for leaders and there's a calling for messages and, and stories of inspiration and empowerment um, in our culture right now that we haven't seen in, 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 in modern times, and certainly the last 20 or 30 years. Um, you know, the world is hungry for people to have messages and stories that they speak to and they speak to elegantly and powerfully um, that, that empower people, that lift us, that feed us, that fill us up as opposed to, you know, tearing us down and trolling and, and, and all the other things that you see in, in modern society. So I really made it my life's work to, to help people understand what is a message that I have that can move people? Um, how can I communicate it powerfully? And then how can I scale that into a business? And that's really what we do today. So hopefully that answers your question in a roundabout way. Yeah, I love it. So as a speaker, let's let's dive into that real quick. Yep. Um, you've, you've been doing this for a while. You said it didn't come naturally to you. Uh, and you are so eloquent as you speak now. Um, what do you have any like war stories of maybe some things uh, to not do on a, in a presentation? <laughs> yes, and we do not have time to go into all of them. The number <laughs> of stages early on, dude, that I was booed <laughs> off of. Uh, the number of clients who didn't want to pay me because I had been so abysmal when I first started getting into the professional speaking world, you know, which, which sh send uh, chills and shudders up anybody's spine. So we, we don't need to go into that. But here's what it really is about. Here's what I believe a, a message that moves people really is about. It's about a couple of things. Number one, what's your passion? What is your thing that 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 you are uniquely through your life story, which is the second aspect, through your life story, what is a point of passion that you're drawn to to make your platform? Um, I was just right before we jumped on here as an example, I was on with a, a client of mine who, uh, when she was young, uh, was uh, bullied very, very intensely up until the point that she started self-harming herself. And when she started working with me, she said, Joe, you know, I want to make my message for young uh, w women, especially in their teens, 
Um, I want to help these young girls understand that, you know, just because people say mean, th- mean things about you does not mean that you have to be cutting yourself and all these other extreme, extreme things. And so this passion that she had out of her own life experience became the platform that she built her her message upon. So to answer your question, you know, I think the most important thing is when people start looking at a message they want to take forth as leaders, as business owners, everything else. Start with your own point of passion that really, 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 you know, gets you in state and jacks you up as opposed to just trying to go out and, and speak on or give presentations about things that you're a little lackluster on. Um, a lot of being a great communicator is being able to, to freely, you know, be able to share your excitement, your enthusiasm, your passion, uh, because people are so attracted to that and gravitate so much to that. But you have to tap into it first and foremost. Absolutely, and make it part of your story, your message, yep. what resonates, and uh, the rest, as they say, will be history, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly a starting point. And then, you know, there are mechanics around presentations and speaking skills, uh, for instance, about how to structure a talk so it elicits res- uh, uh, uh not just emotional response, but having your audience do something differently. One of the things, you know, I probably learned it from Tony, I don't remember, but I'll give him some credit here, is, you know, whenever you stand up to speak, know what the action is you want your audience to take as a result of the time that they spent with you and drive to that. Mm, yes, you know, yes, some people yes. say, oh, I, I could teach people how to get a standing ovation. Well, that's interesting. That's cool. Right on. Here's the measure of effectiveness, though, for me. Do people do something differently as a result of your presentation, as a result of your talk? Do they change their life for the better in some way? That's the measurement of success to me, not whether or not they, you know, didn't fall asleep during the time that they were with you. Um, so, you know, there is there are techniques around structuring a talk, around driving toward that call to action. There are techniques around finding your own style, as I mentioned earlier, where you play to your strengths. And you blow up those strengths and lead with those. Yeah, you polish off your rough edges, certainly. But you really own yourself and your strength so powerfully that that's what comes through. So, yep, there's, 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 there's quite a few things around all of those that are a lot of the work that we do with people as well. I love it. I love it. Joe, thank you for joining us today on the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. Life Hackers. Hey, just wanted to take a quick message to thank you for your continued support. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us on many occasions, I want to personally thank you because we do this to support entrepreneurs just like you. Hey, guys, please take 60 seconds today to visit iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. This will help us grow organically and inspire more entrepreneurs just like you. Now, while you're there, please leave us a review, and I promise to read each and every comment and apply your suggestions as we continue to improve our show. Also, if you like free stuff, then make sure to like our official Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs fan page for upcoming guest information and free giveaways. Guys, this is David Ubita, your host of the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. Until next time, continue to grind, grow, and give. Hey guys, if you're a B2B company that can handle 10 to 15 more quality appointments every single month, then go to davidubita.com today. Me and my team specialize in helping B2B companies generate quality appointments and increase sales with LinkedIn and email. The best part is we have a 30-day money-back guarantee if we can't help you. 
So if you're a B2B company and you can take on more quality appointments so that you can grow your business, then visit davidubeda.com today. That's D-A-V-I-D-U-B-E-D-A.com.